When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat. And, well, guess what, Horwat? It's that time of the year. The Stanley Cup Final is set. Two of the biggest party cities in the world will play host to the greatest series and greatest league championship in the world. That is, of course... The Florida Panthers, which are just a, a few miles north of Miami. And obviously Las Vegas, Nevada, who is the home of the Vegas Golden Knights heading to the finals for the second time in their storied franchise history that dates back to 2017. So we'll talk about both sides of this story because there are Penguins ties all around as we always tend to do at the time we get to the Stanley Cup final. But before we get into all of that, Horwat. The GM search is what we have to start every show with until it happens. Hopefully, we don't have that many shows left that we have to start with. Hey, the GM search, we have an update. Which, right now, there's not really many updates, are there? Oh, not really, no. It's it's come down to Kyle Dubas visiting Pittsburgh, uh, visiting Sidney Crosby at the practice facility, going on to... Uh, FSG, everyone knows FSG uh, had Kyle Dubes at the top of their list from the very beginning of the search, uh, and then he became available, the talks had happened, and now the waiting game began, and, mm-hmm. you know, as time went on, uh, names fell off the list, at the same time, we're here waiting on what sounds like Kyle Dubas to make the decision, and other people have not yet been told, as well, that they are out of the running, so... It is Kyle Dubas' decision to make, but there are still names technically in the running if Kyle decides to go another direction. If you're one of those names, like say you're Matthew Darsh, and you know you're a finalist, and you know, hey, you might have had the job already if it wasn't for Brendan Shanahan going out there and, and turning heel on Kyle Dubas in Toronto, how do you feel at this moment? Like you're kind of waiting in limbo to see if you get the job you've always wanted or if this guy just takes it and it's really out of your hands, how patient would you be if you're a guy like Matthew Darsh? For I think everyone will have a different answer. Every candidate that we can bring up would have a different answer. For Matthew Darsh, he's got two cups. He's got two. <laughs> he's got two Stanley Cups to kind of fall back on and say, 
I have a good thing going here in Tampa Bay if things don't go my way here. And also, you've made it this far in an interview process. Next offseason, that'll take over somewhere else. It's yeah. You have the mindset of your, especially for Darsh. I I cannot remember who Greeley is with. It's Dallas, is it not? I believe so. Yeah. Well, he's going through some things right now. So, uh, but for Matthew Darsh, it's you have a good thing going on in Tampa Bay. You have a good team that you helped construct, and you and you made it this far into this interview process. That shows that you should have some confidence in. Uh, the next opportunity that may arise. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if plus it's not a position that they've had before, right? I think yeah. it's it's not They're like both AGMs. Yeah, it's not like you're holding another GM from becoming a GM again. It's uh it's uh it's a position they've never had before. They're surely willing to wait as long as they need to to get to that spot. I don't know, I just don't think it's that big of a deal to them. I would assume at least, I would hope. Yeah. Um, does it suck waiting? Absolutely. Absolutely, but yeah, I think it's interesting and also all part of the process. It also, I mean, maybe the Penguins also told them in hindsight, like, hey, we're going to put everything on pause and we hope you understand why the Golden Goose has become available. Now, are you going to say that makes them feel not wanted? Yeah, that's how I would feel. And listen, if I'm putting myself into this person's shoes and it doesn't even have to be you know, a direct comparison, not if I'm waiting for a general manager's position. I don't know how Matthew Darsh feels, but if I'm applying for a job and they're basically saying, yeah, we like you for this job, you might be a finest. Honestly, you might already have it, but there's this other guy that's going to come in that we value way more than you. And uh, it's up to him whether or not you get this job. If he wants it, he has it. If he doesn't want it, then yeah, you'll be a finalist. I'd look at that and be like, um, why is he so spectacular? Especially a guy like Darsh, who you mentioned is in the Tampa Bay Lightning front office. The Tampa Bay Lightning front office has been touted for good reason as one of the best front offices of the past five seasons. I mean, they've been to three Stanley Cup championships or start three Stanley Cup finals in that time and won two championships. If I'm Matthew Darsh, I'm like, screw you guys. Like, if, if you really value this guy who, yeah, Dubas is the wonderkind. But at the same time, he's won one playoff series with Austin Matthews, who's one of the greatest players of this generation, and you've only gotten to the second round once, and when you did, you got completely blown out of the water by Florida. Now, do I like Dubas? Yes. But if I'm Matthew Darsh, I'm looking at that and saying, why is he that much higher on the food chain than me? Because the only reason really is that Matthew Darsh was an AGM, whereas Dubas was a regular GM, and Dubas was the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is the highest profile, highest media cover team in probably sports. People say hockey, but probably sports. That's really the only reason that Dubas is valued so much higher than everybody else in this GM search. No, that, that is a huge reason of it, and it is just, we also do know how good of a general manager he is. And he's going to attract that kind of attention. I think that's also part of it. Let's be real here. It's not that he's bad. He had the impossible task of re-signing all three of Nylander, Matthews, and Marner. And then decided to go, alright, we have $11 million in space. Here's John Tavares. Here's trading for Ryan O'Reilly this past season. There's signing Morgan Riley to his contract. There's... Something the way he was able to finagle, and sure, a lot of this is also Brandon Pridham, so, you know, credit given where credit is due. Um, There's a lot to still like about Kyle Dubas as well. I mean, 
at the end of the day, and I'll say this every time someone brings up the postseason thing, he's not the one on the ice. I mean, yeah, he's the one that constructed the team, but guess what? He's not... And on paper, every year, everyone can agree that team should have done something. More than they did, yeah. <laughs> and they didn't, so it's not... I'm not going to say that they should have won the Stanley Cup, because I think that's way too far of a hypothetical through. Right, but it's done something. I don't know, I'm, I think it's... This discussion is, has turned a lot into talking in circles, but it's one worth having every, every day, pretty much. Uh, until that decision is made, and right now, according to Elliot Freeman, at least what he said on NHL Now uh, via the NHL Network, he says it's in Dubas' hands at the moment. And understandably, it's been a whirlwind for Kyle Dubas from you know, flipping off fans or yelling at fans in Tampa Bay to being absolutely pummeled by the Panthers in the second round to, hey, it's going to be Toronto or bust to Brendan Shanahan going out there and saying, well, uh, it's bust, I guess, because Toronto doesn't want you to becoming the favorite for the Pittsburgh Penguins job. Understandably, take a beat, like take a breath, because also once you sign on that dotted line, it's not going to slow down. (laughs) There's what? Four weeks until the NHL draft, the Pittsburgh Penguins have a mid-first round draft pick, the highest draft pick that they have had since 2012. Mm -hmm. It's just getting started for whoever becomes the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So understandably, take a beat, take a breath, discuss this with your family, and figure things out. But at the same time, how long are you willing to wait if you're FSG for some guy to make a decision when the clock is starting to run on the NHL offseason, right? Because... The Stanley Cup Finals start later this week on Saturday. Seven games at most, and then everybody's in off-season mode. Everybody's starting to talk. Everybody's starting to look at free agents where your slight advantage of having that time is over. So mm-hmm. willing to wait is one thing. Willing to wait too long, that's when you get into an issue. I don't think he's going to wait too long. You said before the show when we were talking that, listen, the holiday weekend might have been all the time he needed. Yeah. Like the three day weekend, four day weekend, whatever we might get an answer by the time this episode ends, where if you hear the magic words, it happened on this episode, <laughs> that means that the news dropped as we were recording. But as of right now, I feel like it's an any day now kind of thing. And for the Pittsburgh Penguins, you just need to get it out of, out of the way. So you can move on and talk about some of these other things. We're going to talk later in the show about Aiden Hill. And if he's a potential target for the Pittsburgh Penguins, we'll talk a little bit about Patrick Hornquist. He's he's not a potential target for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but we'll talk about him as well. But the one sticking point that was now brought up because, you know, is it Pittsburgh or bust is the question. Not really, because the Ottawa Senators are also floating in the background now and have been floated out there as a potential possibility for Kyle Dubas. Dubas grew up watching the Ottawa Senators and he's waiting to see who wins the bid to buy that team because currently they're up for sale. And that is also reported by Elliot Friedman. We've got to give credit where credit is due. But then the question comes up, and it's been all over Twitter, all over Facebook, all over Reddit over the past three days, the holiday weekend. It was a long weekend, so even longer to to chat about this for, for everybody on those channels. Do you believe the Ottawa job is currently more attractive than the Pittsburgh position? So what's really funny about the Ottawa job is, first of all, there's, there might be a lot of uh, drama going into the sale of this team, going into who's funding what, where is this money coming from. A lot of uh, jargon and details that 
we won't understand. Just tell us the names who are signing on the line and the money and the dollar amount. That's all we're going to know. That being said, if if a sale goes through and Kyle Dubas finds that attractive, it's that would be you have to make that much quicker timing because let's also figure Pierre Dorian's still there. <laughs> how do you you talk about how did how does Matthew Darsh and Steve Greeley feel in this situation? How about Pierre Dorian literally having his job and everyone saying uh, Kyle Dubas is just going to come in and take it? Uh, yeah, I don't. A, he's a sitting duck right now. Yeah, which sucks because I feel like he, you know, deserves better than what his fate is going to give him. I mean, he had Eugene Melnick breathing down his neck the entire time he's been there, and now that he's gone, he's built... I mean, not that he didn't build a competitive team before, but he's built a new team that has the ability to really do something in the Ottawa Senators this upcoming season and the seasons after, uh, and all of a sudden you're just going to get usurped by Kyle Dubas. Just, there goes your work, find another job. That sucks for... I mean, plus, Kyle Dubas could just come in and be president, but still... Um, that just hurts Pierre Dorian. I think he, I, I believe at least he deserves to see it through at least another season with a new ownership. Take it from Brian Burke too, who just went on Kuiper Born and talked about um, his dismissal from the Penguins and said that anytime a new ownership group comes in, they have the right to replace whoever they like and put in whoever they want, which is kind of what FSG is trying to do here with Kyle Dewis, and it's with who whoever buys the Senators is probably going to do. I don't know the kind of involvement that Dubas has with that with one of those groups, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think, if anything, though, it's just my opinion of it. Uh, I would I would say the Penguins' job is still a little more attractive. A, you got Sidney Crosby on your side. B, you do have an opportunity to build a team in your image, not fully with the core and other details but you have the ability to build a team in your image. Whereas in Ottawa, the team's kind of set, could use a few pieces here and there, could use a few changes. And also, like I said, you're just kicking Pierre Dorian right off the chair. Well, if I'm a, if I'm a general manager, I don't really care about kicking somebody else out, right? That's a, that's a dog eat dog position. There's only 32 of those jobs available at the NHL level. So if it's, Hey, you're, you're bumping somebody who's there out. If you get yeah. that job, it's like, okay, yeah, so they go find another job. Like, yeah. and is, look at me. I am the captain now. That's that's exactly what Kyle Dubas would say to Doreen at that point. But and Pierre you say the Penguins would absolutely job. find another job, too. Like, it's yeah, he would get he would get another job. If Peter Shirelli's still getting interviews, Pierre Doreen can find a job somewhere. Lord, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll wait to see if uh, if Ronnie Hextall or Brian Burke end up ever getting another job opportunity after uh, the, the disaster that was the 2022 23 Pittsburgh Penguins. So you say Pittsburgh over Ottawa. I'm actually going to go the other direction. Uh, as much as, you know, you come in, you have Crosby, you have Malkin, you have Latang, They're all locked up. Other than that, the Pittsburgh Penguins need a lot of work. And they are the oldest team in the National Hockey League. Whereas you look at the Senators, one, it's a Canadian market, which, say what you will, if you get the opportunity to run one of the Canadian markets as general manager, that is certainly a, something that's going to be higher on your resume than running one of the American markets. Like people don't want to hear that, especially American fans, but to get the opportunity to work for and or run one of the Canadian hockey teams, it changes everything, right? And, and we say that as people that I haven't gone to a game in Canada, but I would imagine 
compared to what everybody says, there's a difference there. So one, it's in a Canadian market. That's not the determining factor, but that certainly is a factor. And we've, we've heard that from multiple different people when they talk about the sport, when they talk about finding jobs, is going to play for a Canadian team or going to work for a Canadian team is just different. It just is. Secondly, there's a younger core with, in my eyes, a longer window, right? If you oh, yeah. get the Penguins, it's you have the next three, maybe four years, and then you got to rebuild it. The ship needs to be taken down to the studs after that. There's people arguing the ship needs to be taken down to the studs now, but you have three, maybe four years left, and then you got to find a way to turn that back around. Whereas in Ottawa, Tim Stutzla broke out this year in a major way. He is a phenomenal player. Brady Kachuk is an established captain for that team at a very young age. And we see what the other Kachuk brothers doing. Brady might not be nearly as good as is Matthew, but he certainly is quite talented and certainly has that all-around game to him. Thomas Shabbat has kind of faded in the background, but he was the first pillar there for them. And then, of course, you add on the fact that you got Jacob Chikrin at the trade deadline. There is a good young core there. Yeah. And then yep. you also have the negotiating rights with Alex Dabrinkit. So that's also <laughs> floated out there as well. You have another good young player that you have the negotiating rights to. He's an RFA. He might not come back, but you have the ability to get to him first before anybody else on the free agent market. So it depends on who the owners end up being. But I would say at this moment, the Ottawa job is currently more attractive than the Pittsburgh Penguins job. Another thing to throw out there that you're going to mention the owners. I mean, when it comes to Kyle Dubas specifically, does he like what FSG can bring to the table outside of hockey? It's not yeah. that they're just, you know, obviously this ownership group that has the Penguins, that has the Boston Red Sox, a NASCAR team, and uh, who am I missing? Liverpool. And Liverpool over across the pond. Mm. There are this organization that has all those, and those are also things that are very attractive to Kyle Dubas, apparently. You know, does Dubas want, one day want to jump ship on hockey and say he likes early, early reports or something about he really enjoys soccer as well, finds them two sides of the same coin, whatever the quote was. There's something that can also be had with Dubas finding very... I know, a lot of attraction in FSG mm-hmm. for more than just what they can offer with the Penguins. Uh, we'll see where it goes. I guess FSG is also getting a lot of insights from Theo Epstein, who might be close to Kyle Dubas or something weird. I, I don't know. It's <laughs> FSG has their connections, and they're all telling them to go after Dubas at, at you know as much as they can. Mm. Kyle Dubas has the attraction of more than just hockey that FSG has to offer. We don't even know if the money coming in for the Ottawa sale is going to be there. I don't know all those details, but it sounds like the money might not be there. That's really weird. But there's a lot that can go wrong in Ottawa that I don't think he wants to wait that long either. You would have to assume, right? Like, for the Penguins in the waiting game, you can't let this go into June. A decision needs to be made today or tomorrow. That's it. That's all I I would say about it. Because at that point, you have under a month to... Plan out your offseason, basically. You have under a month to get ready for the draft. You already have under a month for that, but you you could at least have a calendar turn in, in, in your way still. I mean, 
We're closing in on free agency. We're clo- closing in on the draft. I'd say you need to have that decision made today or tomorrow. Yeah. And one last thing before we move over to our next segment. I think that there's something that you said there that's actually very accurate is, you know, he wants might want to come to FSG because they have all these other hands and all these other directions, which means it's less oversight. Mm-hmm. Coming from the Toronto Maple Leafs, where you're literally under a microscope with every move you do from ownership, from everybody ahead of you, is looking directly at your performance 24-7. Yeah. Not that FSG is absentee owners. We've had that discussion. Obviously, that was a, a narrative throughout the regular season with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But they're not looking at every single move under a microscope as much as MLSE is up in Toronto. So yeah, I mean, a little bit less oversight, a little bit more empowering to Kyle Dubas. That might be why it's attractive for him to come to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, we've heard the reports of the chain of command. It was Dubas has a decision to make. Let's run it up through Shanahan, who has to run it up through another name, who tells it to MLSE, who then runs it back down that that chain. And at that point, so many hands have seen it, so many eyes have been on it. It's Who knows if it's even the same thing Dubas came up with. Yeah, so, it, it, it's a game of front office telephone. Yeah, whereas in Pittsburgh, and maybe even in Ottawa, I mean, we don't know for sure in Ottawa, but maybe even in Ottawa, there's not, there isn't that chain of command. There is Kyle Dubas has a decision to make. Maybe you run it by somebody else. Boom, phone calls need to be made right then and there to yeah. NHL front offices, or NHL, NHL offices not, you know, up the, up the chain of command. It is, mm-hmm. here's the decision. I have consolidated with one other person. We agree. Calls are being made. Yeah, make the deal. Yep. Gary, get Gary on the line. Yeah, like Gary Bettman's taking those calls. Gary Bettman's on a golf course. So actually, does Gary Bettman golf? I don't know. We have to have that discussion in like July when there's nothing else going on. Like, get does Bill Daly Gary on the Bettman line. Golf? Get Bill yeah. Daly on the line. Who knows? But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about the goaltender of the Vegas Golden Knights, Aiden Hill. And could he potentially be an option for the Pittsburgh Penguins this summer? We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Let me switch the lower third here for those watching on YouTube. You can always watch us on YouTube at InsideThePenguins. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, wherever you're at, wherever you get your podcasts from as well. Just make sure that you're trying to get as much of our content as possible because we put a lot of work into it, and I think it's some of the best content you can get for the Pittsburgh Penguins, particularly in the offseason because neither of us stop working for some innate reason. Uh, But let's talk a little bit about the Vegas Golden Knights because they clinched a spot in the Stanley Cup Final yesterday with a 6-0 just domination of the Dallas Stars down there in Big D. Aiden Hill was once again another major reason as to why the Vegas Golden Knights had such a good game. He was solid as an ox in that game, and he is lighting up the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. Had a shutout like we mentioned last night in Game 6, 7-3 on the postseason, a 937 save percentage, 2.07 goals allowed average, and get this, 10.4 goals saved above expected in 11 games. So you can go through every single game he's played and practically say, yeah, take that, other teams score and subtract it by one just simply because of Aiden Hill. He has been that good 
for the Vegas Golden Knights. The only goaltender better than him when it comes to goal save and above expected, Sergei Bobrovsky. It's going to be a fun Stanley Cup final, but the big factor is Aiden Hill is a pending unrestricted free agent, which poses the question, is Aiden Hill a potential signing target for the Pittsburgh Penguins? So I, I know you listed all those numbers off to me. Right? I did. Those are great Very numbers. Well. Those are great uh, postseason numbers. Those are phenomenal, outstanding statistics. Mm-hmm. One thing that I that gets in the way every time, for me at least, is this kind of thing happens all the time. We see the, uh, not the rookie goaltender, and but, but we see the inexperienced goalie come out of the shadows and put on this postseason performance that earns him a contract like no other. And what does he do following that? Nothing. Not much. I'm not saying that's the destiny here for Aiden Hill. But if you look at his track record, sure, his track record included a lot of time in uh, Arizona. But it's not outstanding. What is his mean? We have this discussion with you know Evan Rodriguez a lot last year. And even with Tristan Jari to OT this year. What is the mean here? Where are they... Where is this person actually... What is their actual skill level? Hard to tell with goaltending, always. But this sort of things hap- This sort of thing happens every season. So, I'm of the opinion that I would need to see it one more time. Mm. That is just me. I need, to, I need to see the proof that he can maintain this. Well, there was another goaltender that spent a lot of time in Arizona, then went on a run to the Stanley Cup Final, then got paid. And it just happened last year. That's Darcy Kemper. It would be the second straight season that a Stanley Cup qualifying goaltender signs with a different team in the following offseason. Darcy Kemper went from the Colorado Avalanche. Of course, he won the Stanley Cup last year. And he went over to the Washington Capitals. Didn't have a great season in Washington, but then again, a lot of people didn't have a great season on that team. He went 22-26-7 and with a 9.08 save percentage and a 2.87 goals allowed average. Now, that's not horrible, but it's also not good, right? And if you're going to pay somebody, especially considering that at that moment when the Capitals signed Darcy Kemper, if the Pittsburgh Penguins signed Aiden Hill, at that moment, you're doing everything opposed to every financial instinct that somebody should have. You're buying about as high as you can humanly buy a goaltender in the National Hockey League. The only way you're buying somebody higher than that is if they win the Vezina Trophy as well, or if they win the Conn Smythe Trophy as well. So you're buying high on this guy. It's going to be a gamble. But considering where the Pittsburgh Penguins are at, one, I think you would agree it'd be foolish to not even look at it because we've looked at the free agent class this year. And even when we looked at it and saw Aiden Hill there, we said, there's not very much there. Aiden Hill has kind of emerged. There were some people, I'll give credit where credit is due. There were some people in our mentions saying, hey, you should look at Aiden Hill from Vegas. One of the reasons is, Vegas currently has five goaltenders on the books, like five NHL goaltenders on the books. Three of them will be unrestricted free agents after the season, but they will still have Logan Thompson under contract and they will still have Robin Leonard under contract. There's talks that they could buy him out because he missed the whole season with hip surgery. He's obviously in the news for some financial stipulations and certain things about going bankrupt and some people saying that that was fraudulent. I don't I don't know that whole situation, so I won't speak to it. But Robin Leonard's not been around the team when it comes to being healthy and available since last season. 
So there's questions about whether or not Vegas would even be able to keep Aiden Hill. They have $3 million in cap space going into the offseason. Like, that's literally the only cap space they have in which to work with. But they also don't have very many signings to make. So it's a very interesting conversation. It's a very interesting situation that Vegas is currently in. Will they even let Aiden Hill get to free agency? Who knows? But if they do, the question then becomes, is he a better option than bringing back Tristan Jari? Yeah, and before we even jump into the Jari point, Vegas also had, like like you mentioned, they have their options. Jonathan Quick is probably out Probably going away. Probably yeah. going away. Probably out the door. Logan Thompson is under contract. It's handled. Robin Leonard is, you know, who knows exactly what's going to happen there. They have another goalie still, too, who we're assuming is just minor league goaltending, in Yuri Patera, Patera mm-hmm. if I even pronounced it right, who was... 2-0 in two NHL games played. <laughs> and you know what the funny uh, part is? There's one more goalie that they could also decide to stick around with because he also had a very good regular season in his short amount of games played. Warren Perswat, in 11 games played, was 7-0-3. Then he started the postseason and went 5-2. and They have options. So, mm-hmm. when it comes to the Penguins taking a look at Tristan Jari, I mean... Yeah, absolutely. You do have to take that look at Aiden Hill if he becomes available. There's no reason why you shouldn't look. Um, I just wouldn't have the fullest of faith in it. Again, like I said, it's a good experiment. It's a good. I mean, at this point, anything will do, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of. I'm definitely for the look, just to see if you know maybe it changed. I mean, it probably won't change my mind on the way I look at goaltending and the way. These things happen all the time, but there are cases where this happens, and then they go on to do great things. Let's just like let's be honest. It's not you know <clears throat> that every goalie that has a good postseason or good end of regular season uh, is actually just garbage. They just hit a hot run. No, there are goalies that go on to do great things. Look at Andre Vasilevsky. I mean, we really had to pry that series out of him. Yeah, in seven games we did, and. Now we see he's probably one of the best goaltenders in the world. So, Aiden Hill is an interesting case that I would definitely look at. I think I would, at this point, take him over Jari, too. It's as easy as that, mostly because we need a new face rather than Tristan Jari at this point, too. Mm -hmm. They can't afford both, although that would be good. It'd be nice to have a contingency plan as good as Aiden Hill has been, whereas the Penguins didn't have that with Casey DeSmith last season. Also, there's a little... Little ditty about the fact that Casey DeSmith is also under contract for one more season at $1.8 million. So, yeah, it'd be nice to have Hill Jari as your as your tandem. It would be nice to have even Brassois and Tristan Jari as your goaltending tandem. I think that would be an improvement on last season. But if it comes down to it, and it's Aiden Hill or Tristan Jari, I mean, they're roughly the same age. Jari is 28, Hill is 27. They're both practically what they're going to be at this stage of their careers Uh, like there's no neither of them are going to be above and beyond and go ahead and be a a Vesna goaltender I feel like at this point like if Jari was going to do that I thought he was going to do it last year and maybe get into that conversation I don't know if you can see like obviously the hip surgery or not hip surgery he didn't have surgery uh the hip injury for for Tristan Jari certainly hampers everything he was able to do this season And, and it's It's a weird, weird situation where you need to make a decision on the future of your goaltender while also not really having an idea of where the goaltender you currently have sitting in that position is at. Like, what would he have done if he didn't have the hip injuries? We'll never know. 
And that's ultimately what the Penguins need to make a decision on is what is he without the hips injuries now? Like, what is he moving forward? And that is a very difficult thing to, to understand, difficult to fit thing to figure out, in particular because Tristan Jari's also not showing anything in the postseason. He really hasn't. Like, he played one injured game against New York last season. He played pathetically against the New York Islanders the season before. And then he played in one game again against the Montreal Canadiens in the postseason before that. So it's a small sample size, but he hasn't shown very much positive in that time. So what do you do in that instance? Because their career numbers are also similar in the regular season, but Jari's played over 100 more games. Mm -hmm. So do you trust Aiden Hill and his short sample size in the regular season and his short sample size in the playoffs, which has been far and above better than anything Tristan Jari has ever shown in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Or do you go with the guy in Tristan Jari who's gone to two All-Star games and has shown that he can do it over a period of time during the regular season, but he can just not put it together for a playoffs and cannot put it together for a full regular season and is struggling with health over the past year. I don't know what you do. Like, does it come down to Aiden Hill's going to be cheaper than Tristan Jari? Is that really it? And you don't even know if that's going to be the case, too. I mean, who I think knows he what... does. Yeah, I mean, probably. Jari made $3.5 million this year. Aiden Hill made 2.175. I know he's about to win a, or not win. You know, if my prediction holds true. He's about to win a Stanley Cup. He's yeah. about to play in a Stanley Cup final. But I still think Jari ends up making more money than him. And is that right? Because one has postseason success and one doesn't? I don't know. I can't give you the answer to that. But I still think that Jari ends up at least asking for more than Aiden Hill will initially ask for. Probably. Probably. But then the then the issue is turns into teams having to pay the Stanley Cup tax or the deep playoff tax however you want to put it it's especially whenever um you stepped into a situation that you didn't start in right Aiden Hill did not start this postseason like I said Laura Swat started off five and two Jonathan Quick who they traded for started off as the third string goalie in this situation uh so they have options as well they don't even need to give Aiden Hill all the money that they need but he stepped into this and has taken it and ran. And he's about to go up against a team that, for all intents and purposes, shouldn't be here. But here they are. And it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to see. And I, depending on how he finishes up, I would say he might make more than Tristan Jari. Who knows what the asking price will be? But I mean, you got to look at those two seasons together and go... Yeah, Aiden Hill just outperformed him and deserves the bigger contract. If Vegas gets out from under Robin Leonard's contract, which I don't even know if that's something on their radar right now. I'm not sure if that's in their plans. But if they get out from his contract by, you know, hook or by crook, it's probably going to go to Aiden Hill, right? That's the only thing they yeah. have left to do is figure out their goaltending situation. And they like Logan Thompson. I, I feel, I, I thought they liked Logan Thompson at least. I thought he was the guy for most of the season this year. I would imagine they end up going back with Aiden Hill, in which case, you know, Lauren Persuas is not a bad option either. Right. If you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, he's just not somebody that I would take over Tristan Jari at this stage of the game. So it's really interesting where the Pittsburgh Penguins are at. We don't know because, you know, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, there is no general manager currently sitting with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Pause for 
for any 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 check to make sure that didn't happen in the two seconds that before I said that. Uh, but no, there's there's no general manager as of this very moment when I'm recording it, not when you're listening to it. Just think about it that way. Uh, but much. regardless, I, I'm not exactly sure what the Penguins are going to do with their goaltending situation. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Tristan Jari come back. I would be if it's upwards of five and a half million dollars. I don't think he's worth that much at this moment. I don't think he's earned that much at this moment. But uh, Aiden Hill has become one of the premier names on the market at the goaltending position. And the Penguins, who will probably do their due diligence, just like they're doing with their general manager search, and check in on Aiden Hill and see if he's available. That's if he gets to the market in the first place. But I would say at this moment, I would still take Tristan Jari over Aiden Hill. Uh, just because I think there's more of a track record there. Although the playoff stuff scares me. Playoff stuff. Playoff, yeah. the, playoff, the playoff performance scares me. And so too does the fact that he's coming off of a hip injury that literally ruined his entire season this year. Despite him not actually missing the entire season. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Yeah, I think it's definitely a close call between the two. It's the goaltending situation is we're going to have plenty of discussions on it from several different angles, it's going to get stale. I promise you that. It, it might get stale. We'll try our best to not get let it get stale because mm-hmm. until this gets resolved in six weeks' time, really, it's just a big question mark of do the Penguins trust Tristan Jari? And I don't know if I do. I, I think the safest hand might still be his. But, uh, man, man, it, it's tough. Uh, you wish that he would have just went out there and quelled all doubts, but he really didn't this season in Tristan Jari. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, there's a couple Penguins, or former Penguins, I should say, performing in the Stanley Cup Final. We'll talk about that next. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. I kind of talked in circles. I really don't know about the Penguins goaltending situation. It's tough. It really is. And, you know, at the end of the day, Jari over Hill slightly, but Jari over a lot of the guys that are available. I don't know. There's just so many questions with Tristan Jari that remain unanswered. It really is unfortunate that he didn't answer any of them, but oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup Final because it is set as of right now. Vegas Golden Knights versus the Florida Panthers. We will get a first-time champion in 2023. This is the Panthers' first Stanley Cup Final appearance since 1996. And this is the Vegas Golden Knights' first Stanley Cup Final appearance since 2018. Now, the Golden Knights were embarrassed the last time they got to this point. They won in Game 1. Everybody was feeling good. And then the Washington Capitals, just four straight games, ended the Cinderella story that was the inaugural Vegas Golden Knights team. And that's where we stood. Five years later, here they are. Now, there are a handful of Pittsburgh Penguins that are on the roster for these teams. We said they're getting ready to play or getting ready to compete or perform, I think is what the word I said at the end of the last segment. And by perform, I mean they're getting ready to crush that food up in the uh, up in the press box because all three former penguins as of right now have been healthy scratches for these two teams yes 
Well, one of them is on IR, in fairness. Yes, one of them is on IR and will not play. The other two, I mean, Teddy Bluger has a goal, right, for Vegas? He has a goal in the postseason, playoff Teddy Bluger. Fun to watch. But the one we want to highlight in this segment is Patrick Hornquist. I bet you forgot Patrick Hornquist plays for the Florida Panthers because he hasn't played since December after suffering two concussions in a short, short span of time. If you remember correctly from his playing days in Pittsburgh, concussions have been an issue for Patrick Hornquist for a long time. I'm not going to say it's likely he doesn't play in the NHL again, but there is a larger than 0% chance that he has played his last game at the NHL level. Which, you know, it, that sucks, it hurts, and that's not a fun way to go out. Um, but it's it, you do have to focus on your own physical health and longevity in life rather than as a hockey player. This is the kind of discussion we have all the time uh, when it comes to these sorts of serious injuries or uh, just health uh, issues. And for what it's worth, I mean, Patrick Hornquist is still a big part of this team, of this Florida Panthers team that um, has the chance to really impress a lot of the a lot of the uh, fan base of the NHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a story came out a few days ago. I believe it was on Florida Hockey Now is where I read it. I'm not sure where you read it from. Um, but I, I saw it on Florida Hockey Now about Patrick Hornfist and the role that he has continued to play with the Florida Panthers. He's in there every day. He's working out like he's like he's a, tea, a team member, because he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's working out as if he's getting ready to play in these games, even though he knows he's not going to play. Uh, that is tried and true to what we've always known about Patrick Hornquist is he is the the ultimate teammate and he continues to be for the Florida Panthers now could he be a three-time Stanley Cup champion after this season could Phil Kessel on the other side of things be a three-time Stanley Cup champion after this playoff or after this final series I don't know uh, but but what we've heard is Patrick Hornquist continues to be a consummate professional and the ultimate teammate for the Florida Panthers and uh, it's just something that you look at him and you wish that it would have ended more amicably between him and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. Uh, I think some of the stories were exaggerated, of course. clearly, uh, as they always are, uh, because some of these things never come to light, and people run with their imaginations. I know there was the there was the story that he threw all his, his gear out into the drive. Okay, guys, the people that actually thought that he threw his gear out and disgust into the driveway have never played hockey and never understood that you need to air out those puppies because if you do not air out that gear, you're probably going to be knocked out by the stench the next time you open your hockey bag. But with Patrick Hornfist, I think that's something the Penguins have kind of sorely been missing since they traded him back in 2020. They've been missing the vocal leader. Because, yes, not saying Crosby's a bad leader, not saying Malkin's a bad leader, but that's not the way that they lead. Same goes with Latang. They don't lead by getting in people's face, or not even that he did that, but they don't lead by being vocal. They lead more by example, right? Yeah. The yeah. vocal leader is not on the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I think that's something that they miss since they lost Hornfist. Yeah, what like a vocal leader like that. And also, let's throw in the how many times have we said on this show and <clears throat> just to each other over the years since he left that, oh, is this can player name here be a Patrick Hornquist type. The style of game that he plays as well, we've been looking for and have not been able to find since the net front presence, the getting under 
an opponent's skin in just the cleanest way possible. It's something that has been missing from this team ever since, and we've always been looking for that Patrick Hornquist type. And then you add in the element of being a leader. Yeah, it's it's hard to replace, and the Penguins have sorely missed it every day since he's left. Yeah, since he left, obviously the net front duties have been, for the most part, handed to Jake Gensel. Not to say that Jake Gensel isn't good in the net front, but I mean, think about the frames of those two gentlemen. Yeah. Right? For the first year and a half after Hornquist was gone, the storyline was Jake Gensel is getting punched like he's in the ring with Muhammad Ali down there. Remember the first playoff series without Patrick Hornquist? That was against the New York Islanders. The Penguins got swept. And why was part of that? Because Jake Gensel was getting beaten down by Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak. They were absolutely obliterating Jake Gensel in the net front. Now, Gensel has since gotten used to it. He's gotten better at it. Mm-hmm. He's, he's been able to stay on his feet more. He's been able to be more of a presence in front of the net. But he's still not a Patrick Horkfist. Now, listen, Gensel is better in different areas than Horkfist could ever be. But in that specific area, playing the net front, being able to put away garbage goals in, on the power play, Gensel is not up to snuff with what Patrick Hornfist brought to this team. Not, not to mention, like, I mean, Hornfist, let's not forget, scored some of the biggest goals in those Stanley Cup runs. Yeah. The overtime goal against the Capitals is one that everybody always forgets because it's drowned out by the Benino goal in that 2016 series. But people forget, I think it was game three or game four, Patrick Hornfist scored a massive overtime winner. If I'm not mistaken, that's the game that Sidney Crosby missed. Did, was it not? Uh, I, I, like, I don't remember. My brain is, li- listen, it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, and if you're you're listening, let me know in the comments. I'm, I'm drawing a blank at the moment, but regardless, he scored a massive overtime winner against the Capitals, and we know how close those series ended up being. Yeah. He was a huge part of those teams. Off the ice, on the ice, and he continues to do that for the Florida Panthers, and you just absolutely love to see it. It's one of those stories that comes around once the Stanley Cup final hits, and you look at it and you say, man, did the Penguins sorely miss having a guy like that? No, oh, yeah. And, that, and they do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. That game four, the 3-2 overtime victory over the Washington Capitals. Uh, Crosby was there, picked up an assist. Got it. Uh, played 18-50. I don't remember what game he did miss. That postseason? I don't even remember. I don't even remember if it was that postseason or the 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 2017 postseason. Because whichever one where Matt Nis- Niskanen tried to take his head off, like that Jamie Ben, a la Mark Stone. I think that was 2017. Yeah. Yeah, because Justin Schultz scored a, a goal in in the, later in that game, I believe. Yes. So yeah, yeah, that would be 2017. Yeah. My bad. All good. That's why we're here. <laughs> that is why we're here. It's why we have hockey reference up at all times, guys. Exactly. Exactly. Hockey reference is the savior of all hockey podcasters. But, I mean, you look at that trade now. What do the Penguins have to show for it? Jeff Petrie and Ryan Paling. Because they traded Patrick Hornfist for Mike Matheson and Colton Sevier. Sevier played 46 games in one season. He's gone. Right? Yeah. And then the Penguins flip Mike Matheson for Jeff Petrie and Ryan Paling. Hey, Ryan Paling's kind of nice. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, Ryan Paling, we'll see what he ends up being. He's, he's never going to be Patrick Hornquist. And Jeff Petrie. Oh, but Jeff Petrie. There's a greater conversation to be had about him and whether or not he's on the trade block or whether or not anybody would even take him if he was on the trade block. We'll discuss that later. We have plenty of time this summer to discuss that. Obviously, we have a month until the NHL draft. 
We have five, six weeks until free agency, something like that. That's right after the draft. So who knows? We're hopefully just hours away from a new GM. You know, it's it's hours, not minutes. At least let me get this episode out. Jesus. Uh, (laughs) But regardless, uh, before we go, Horwat, Panthers, Vegas Golden Knights, what's your pick? I want I want the most chaos. I want to see Florida. Florida's the most chaos? At this point, I would say so. Uh the 8 seed that took down the the big bad Bruins, the it's hard to say the big bad Toronto Maple Leafs, but they took down the 1, 2 and 3 seed in the East. They did. Oof. That's already pretty chaotic. I mean I mean Vegas, the thing about Vegas is it's almost I don't want to say expected, but what in their six-year history, they've made the postseason five times and have reached the at least reached the conference final in three of them now. If I'm doing yes, stuff but correctly. also four because they made it to the semifinals in that COVID year. Yes, I mean they are a team that has always been pretty skilled and pretty good. Uh, so yeah, I think we're just waiting on what they could finally do in the long run it's i just still don't think it'd be the most chaotic answer that's okay and i'm rooting for chaos i've been rooting for chaos since the beginning of the postseason uh Mm -hmm. because you know without the penguins what's the most fun chaos did i want carolina to win yes but now that they're gone as well chaos let's go let's have some fun i had the dallas stars beating the vegas golden knights in the western conference final once that series started. Mm. That didn't happen. Didn't happen. But at the same time, and if you've been watching, you know exactly who I'm going with because I'm wearing the jersey. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get these these picks before they happen, uh, just tune in on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. But going with the Vegas Golden Knights, baby. I think after being embarrassed in 2018, the Golden Knights will come back. They're not going to embarrass the Florida Panthers. I think it's going to be a very good series. But everybody is on the Florida Panthers right now because, well, to be fair, they were very impressive in the Eastern Conference playoffs. But I think the Vegas Golden Knights are a deep team. I mean, two goals from their fourth line yesterday. Yeah. They're a team with the top-tier talent, Jackie Aces, William Carlson, Jonathan Marcheseau, Mark Stone. The defense is stout. I like the Vegas Golden Knights. I think that that is the toughest place to play in the playoffs, more so than Toronto, more so than Boston. It's tough to play in Vegas. And I think the Vegas Golden Knights take this series in seven games. It's been chaotic. I think the chaos continues, Horwat, to get a little bit of your flavor in there. And I have the Vegas Golden Knights and future Pittsburgh Penguins starting goaltender Aiden Hill Lifting Lord Stanley's Cup. Yeah, that, that'd be a, <laughs> absolutely a ton of fun as well. I think one of the fun things about this team as well, you mentioned how deep they are. This yeah. is a team that Penguins fans can attest to this. They're playing with a healthy scratched Teddy Bluger and Phil Kessel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Phil's kind of old and doesn't have the same scoring touch he used to, but that's still Phil Kessel. And, I mean, Teddy Bluger, I it's a little. It makes a little more sense that he'd be getting healthy scratch, especially with the season he had in Pittsburgh here. I mean, yeah, he found a little bit more footing in Vegas, but that's a deep team. 
right? Mm-hmm. That That's just how deep they can run. I mean, Phil Kessel played all 82 again and oh, 14 goals, 22 assists. Hell, that's not bad for a 35-year-old. Hmm. And But just in the postseason, I mean, it wasn't the same. In the four games he played, a pair of assists. Whereas I know Bluger, like we said, has played a couple of games with a goal. So it's not six games with a goal and an assist. We've done it. I have found the stats. But <laughs> they're a deep team to the point where they are their own team. Mm-hmm. Let's see what they can run. I think it's going to be a fun series regardless. I just oh yeah, there's something weird and magical about Matthew Kachuk, man. Not just Matthew Kachuk, but you look at that Florida team. It's essentially the team that won the President's Trophy the year before, but they finally got goaltending this season. That was one of their biggest issues: is health. Ekblad was out a long time this season. Anthony Duclair didn't play until like the trade deadline this year, and at the end of the season, Alex Lyon was their starting goaltender. At first out of necessity, and then out of just performance, because that's how poorly, I mean, Bobrovsky was volatile throughout the season, to say the least, and now Sergei Bobrovsky said, oh, you're paying me $10 million, I guess I should act like it, and he's the the odds-on favorite for the Conn Smythe Trophy right now. And had Spencer Knight not also been hurt, Bobrovsky might not even been playing, because they had that little faith in him. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Interesting, interesting Stanley Cup final. Here yeah. we are. It's going to be a good series, and that's all you could hope for, right? You can all you can hope for is that the series ends up living up to expectations. I think more often than not, since 2015, it hasn't. To be oh, completely yeah. honest, right? I I don't think like the Penguins versus the Sharks, the Penguins versus the Predators. Never, I mean, Predators more so than the Sharks. Yeah, it never really felt close. Obviously, Washington over Vegas was never really close. 2019 was great. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, 2019, Blues, Bruins, great Stanley Cup final. 2020 was It's hard weird. to put that into... It's hard to Weird put that in the in bubble yeah. and and a blowout, to say the least. Tampa over Dallas. And then, of course, the year following, Tampa over Montreal. <laughs> Again, How what are we doing? <laughs> Last year was good. Right? Colorado over Tampa. Yeah. Last year was good. Yeah, it just... So, that's what? Two of the last six Stanley Cup finals? Let us see a seven-game series. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, regardless... That's, that's a lot to ask, but still. Getting a first-time winner as well, but that's a good step. That's fun. Yeah. That's, that's going to be awesome to see uh, no matter what. Uh, and now we just start having the discussions of which team's con smite winner is there. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's Does a it, tough one. I mean... Because I don't even know who would be the favorite right now. I mean, Jack Eichel's been great, but so has Will Carlson. Like, he has, what, 11 goals already in the playoffs? So um, is Jonathan Marcheseau, who has, I believe, nine goals, which both set records for the Vegas Golden Knights in their short history. So, hilarious. I mean, Aiden Hill's been great. It's a full team over there in Vegas, whereas in Florida it's a little bit easier. Who has the better series in this one? Is it Bobrovsky or is it Kachuk? Whoever has the better series wins the, the Conn Smythe. Yeah. William Carlson Basically. is ten. That's the top of the team. March so nine. Yeah. Jack Eichel six and twelve for eighteen, leading the team in points in the postseason. Yeah. But then on the other side, there is. It would Bruce. probably be Eichel just because of the same reason that that Crosby won it. Yeah. It's like, hey, looking at the ballot, are you are you gonna pick Jack Eichel or William Carlson to win the Conn Smythe? You're gonna pick Jack Eichel. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
regardless, uh, it's going to be a fun series. We have, what, five days until it even begins. So maybe we'll talk about it a little bit on Thursday. Hopefully we're talking about a new general manager on Thursday. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time.